All right, it's on. Oh. Um, this is our cold open. Hey, everybody. Yeah. yeah. Hey. Yeah, this is how professionals we do cold cool. opens. Okay. Um, yeah. Today is going to be a lot of information coming at you real fast. Number one rule is limited, if not no, tangents. So if you're here for that, maybe just go back and listen to a different episode. See, see but here's the thing is that all the research that I've done, there's just like so much good information that I don't think that you're going to be upset that we're not going on to tangents because I feel like the quality of the information that we're presenting is less known and more interesting. I'm not I I'm not sure yet, yeah, but I course. trust Derek on this. <laughs> Basically, because I'm I'm drawing a big picture so y'all Ooh. can figure out. Uh, Pull basically, out your pens and paper. Yeah, we're we're talking about Dear Evan Hansen today. Um, and one of the main reasons why I wanted to talk about it is because of some of the kickback, which I think is unsubstantiated. Um, <laughs> let me just say um, unsubstantiated. <laughs> um, I, I'll probably cut out a lot of those. Dang it. Like, <laughs> that's just what I do to free up my tongue. But when I get tongue tied. Anyways, um, basically... There's been a lot of kickback um, about the trailer of the upcoming film adaptation of Dear Evan Hansen. And I'm going to explain sort of why I think that that kickback is just, you know, um, uninformed. Um, that a lot of the complaints about it are just from people who don't really know what they're talking about. But of mm. course, you know, this is my opinion. And clearly, I'm more informed than everybody else. So. I don't know how I fit into this equation yet yeah b gets to be the innocent bystander and we'll see what happens to the innocent bystander oh no <laughs> you'll be fine you'll be fine yeah i don't know i just did a lot of research into this and i i feel like i've come up with a well-formulated opinion and if you disagree then send us an email <laughs> uh so it's two truths 12 lies at gmail.com numeral two numeral 12 let us know we love talking to you as Aaron Mankey says, I love it when people say hi. I'm Derek Thornton. I'm Bea Golden. Welcome to Two Truths and a Dozen Lies. Awesome. Okay, B, do you want to start with your Two Truths and a Lie? Yeah, okay. So this isn't part of the Two Truths and a Lie. I just have never actually listened to or watched Dear Evan Hansen. I have read the script a few years ago and it kind of just made me angry. So I'm excited for Derek to um, change my mind. <laughs> I'm coming into this with an open heart and open mind. Will you say I might be able to ease your mind? Ah, ah Ben Platt joke. Okay. Ben Platt. But so Dear Evan Hansen is synonymous with Ben Platt in my brain. That's like the main thing I know about it. Um, so that's where my two truths and lies are based off of. So, one, I prefer Ben Platt singing over his acting. Two, right when he had started rehearsals for Dear Evan Hansen, I actually did a show with Ben Platt. And as a part of that experience, I got to spend a good 15 minutes or so one-on-one -on -one asking him questions about best practices and thinks he likes to do emotionally for a show. At the time, I didn't realize what was happening and I didn't write any of it down and what? I hate myself for it. Okay, I do remember one thing. Um, and then two, 
or three, Ben Platt is the lead in one of my favorite shows, The Politician, which I feel like just hasn't gotten any hype whatsoever, but it's yeah, really I still good. Yeah, I have it yet, so. It's pretty good. Um, number one is a lie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Derek knows that. <laughs> I just, his vibrato is beautiful. I just get very overwhelmed after about three songs. Which is a shame. I know. I know. You know? I get why it's people's cup of tea. It just ain't mine. I, I just think that he is, I mean, like, you bring up the acting portion of it, and I think that the acting is why his singing is so good because he's able yes. to bring a lot of in, a, a lot of emotion into it. I like so. watching him sing mm-hmm. because I can see that emotion. I can see the acting. And he is a Tony Award winning yeah. actor. So Also, the show I did with him was Secret Garden at Lincoln Center. Lin-Manuel Miranda got to uh, see me perform. No big deal. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just like... <laughs> sort of blown away by like some of the just like the little things that you just drop like i've known you for like how many years and you never told me that you like actually like met and talked with ben platt like so i know like i guess my thing is in high school people really were threatened by me and i'm a people pleaser and it's like nothing i could do could make them happy because i was threatening their position in choir or whatever and so like i do cool things and then it's like i don't want to be hated for having done something and so i just don't tell people things (laughs) so shout out to my high school bullies so basically the famous people that i've met are just like utah famous but these met like you know real famous people like i'm jealous i the lynch family aka ross lynch and his mom and all of his brothers and uh, sister were at the baby shower for me and like i grew up with them and have a lot of their hand-me-downs i have like a sign of all my baby pictures made by Ross Lynch's mom hanging in my room. Yeah, I'm really interested <laughs> to hear what you have to say because we're talking about child acting today. So, yeah. So, you know, well, you there's got, only so you got much the connections. I, can say, I mean, but yeah, yeah. But you do, you do know a little bit. Yes. Because you know, you met a famous, you you grew up with a famous child actor. Yes. So yes. Here's my two truths and a lie. Okay, number one, I saw the show in July of 2019 on Broadway. Andrew Barth Feldman was playing Evan Hansen. You might recognize him, okay, true or false, as Linguini from the Ratatouille musical on TikTok. I want to say true. Yeah, it's true. Um, And he is currently making his screen debut as a French exchange student on season two of High School Musical, the musical, the series. Um, That's true. I love it. Number two, I saw a bootleg version of the film while I was in high school. Um, this is the first of many Broadway bootlegs that I've seen. And number three, um, tomorrow I'm going to be doing the show all by myself for the first time at um, Sports Nation. Um, my trainer will only be shadowing me and answering questions. Which I is think it. the I don't think you saw it in July 2019. I did. Oh, okay. So well, the the lie the the lie was the bootleg version is the only bootleg I've ever seen. Oh. So I've never seen a bootleg. It, I mean, yeah, bootlegs are really bad quality. Definitely not a replacement. But I just needed to see, like, how the show actually fit all together. And I'm pretty sure in, like, 2017 or whenever I watched it, there wasn't, like, a script out. So. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you can always read the Wikipedia, but I feel like that's always, like, way oversimplified. So, mm-hmm. very good. Um, I'm so excited that there's going to be a real movie. So, you know. Okay. Let's go. Anyways, here we go. So, 
we're going to start with the Broadway show. Um, I'm going to start with just the basic plot line. This is the log line on uh, Stage Agent. So, I mean, this is like the official. Um, I'm going to read through it really fast. Speed run. But um, Dear Evan Hansen tells the story of a young man with social anxiety who so yearns to make a connection with his peers that he fabricates a relationship with a deceased student to become closer to the boy's family. When a classmate commits suicide, shy Evan Hansen finds himself at the center of the tragedy and turmoil. In a misguided attempt to comfort the boy's grieving family, Evan pretends that he was actually good friends with their son. He invents a fabricated email account to prove their friendship, and when a fake suicide note makes its way online, Evan finds himself the unintended face of a viral video about loneliness and friendship. Um, and then as his social currency skyrockets, Evan is drawn deeper and deeper into the lie. His relationship with his actual mother wanes in comparison to that of his shiny new family. He finally lands the girl of his dreams, and most importantly, he's no longer invisible. Anyways, that is sort of an intro to the story. So it gets really convoluted, and it is one of the most complex storylines on Broadway. A lot of the times, musicals try to keep things like way overly simple. I mean, you have like shows like Cats, where it's just a bunch of songs strung together with sort of an overarching plot line but really underdeveloped ben uh not ben platt dear evan hansen um you know i'm just using using his name <laughs> as the title of the show because ben platt is dear is is evan hansen they are the same person which is we'll come back to when it, we're talking about the casting of the film and dear evan hansen is a complex show that deals with complex topics it's not a f- like just a fun like let's sing happy songs type show it's um really complicated and you will cry a lot if you watch it so like reading the script i felt bad like minute one page one i was already feeling bad and then i never felt good one of the reasons why it's so good is because of the mounting tension because just things start to pile on top of each other and just gets so bad that like and you know that things can't end well because there has to be a point where this lie is actually like confronted um and then when it does happen then everything just falls apart and you're like you know emotionally torn so um we're going to talk about some of the people who were involved in the making of the show this is going to be really really fast um the show was inspired by benj pasek's um experience in high school it involving a student he wasn't like super close to the drama but it was something similar i don't think he's really expounded upon exactly what happened but anyways, it was inspired by that. Um, the music is by Pasek and Paul, which um, legendary writing team, um, true or false, as a writing duo, Pasek and Paul have an EGOT. I want to say true. It's false. Oh, I wanted it um, to be true. And it's only technically false because um, they have won a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. They don't have an Emmy. Huh. Although... <laughs> Dear Evan Hansen, the musical won an Emmy for so. a performance on a uh, daytime show. So, like, best performance. Um, so, like, they're close. They were involved in the winning of an Emmy, but they didn't win the Emmy themselves. themselves. Okay. Um, which, you know, the show, Dear Evan Hansen, if it does well in as a film, it could like the show itself could win an EGOT. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, uh, Pasek and Paul are best known for films such as La La Land and The Greatest Showman. Oh. 
Um, they won an Oscar for City of Stars. Um, they have a Tony win for Dear Evan Hansen, um, and they won a Grammy for Best Musical Theater Album with Dear Evan Hansen. Okay, so maybe I should listen to Dear Evan Hansen because yes. I love the music from the La music. La Land and Greatest Showman. Oh, and the music in Dear Evan Hansen <laughs> is better than both. I mean, La La Land, I think that the jazz stuff in La La Land probably eclipses what Dear Evan Hansen does, but if you're looking at it from like a catchy like pop style yeah. music, Dear Evan Hansen is one of the best written um, shows when it comes music wise. I think one of the reasons I was really turned off to ever listening to Dear Evan Hansen was, I mean, my assistant choir director, she's very classically trained and she was so pissed about Dear Evan Hansen and all the attention she was getting. Cause she's like, it's all Ben Platt. It's Ben Platt's runs. It's Ben Platt's voice. Like, I don't think it's actual writing. That's good. And I just was, I admired her so much that I was like, okay. And, but I was, I didn't bother us young and wasn't making my own conclusions at the time. I just wanted to fit in, which is ironic. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, like, even when you're not young, people's opinions are so heavily influenced by their friends and the people who they trust. Like, if I say something on this podcast and you enjoy this podcast, that will be your opinion, like, 75% of the time. Spicy. I have so much power over you, so listener. much power. Anyways, <laughs> because, like, if you haven't already... Um, if you haven't already come up with an opinion, you haven't formed an opinion, then just whatever somebody else who you trust, like they say something, then instantly you just latch onto that. Because, I mean, if you're talking about it time-wise, people don't have time to make opinions. Yeah. You just have to trust what other people tell you. And that's like generally how it works with entertainment and media. And, media, so. and religion and politics and anyways. And everything in life because life is short and you don't have time to cheaty everything. Anyways, that was our one tangent for the show. Okay. Um, Pasek and Paul also wrote music for... This is not true or false. This is just... Oh, okay. Um, they also wrote music for A Christmas Story, Dog <laughs> Fight, and James and the Giant Peach on Broadway. They've also written some other stuff, but wow. not stuff that you'd recognize. Um, the um, musical was directed... This is the Broadway opening. was directed by Michael Grief. Um, he has Tony nominations for Rent, um, Grey Gardens, and Next to Normal. So, very experienced director. Next. Yes. Okay. And then we're going to talk, because if you're talking about Jarevan Hansen, you have to talk about two people, very specifically. Yes. Do you have something you wanted to say? Are you going to cover the producers at all? Oh, no, no. Um, so, remember... Well, I am going to cover uh, Mark Platt. Well, so the producer of Rent that the director worked with... Um, also produced Dear Evan Hansen, and he's from Stagecrafters, which is where I grew up with Chris, well, not with Kristen Bell, but same place as Kristen oh, Bell saw I was Foster gonna, in. <laughs> I, I almost forgot to include this, true or false. True or false, Pasek and Paul are both Michigan grads. I'm going to say yes. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, go blue! <laughs> so basically, you know, Broadway, apparently, there's like a Michigan to Broadway pipeline. Yes, specifically Metro Detroit to Broadway. It's kind of weird. Well, okay, if you ever go to Michigan, pay to go to a community theater show because our community theaters are baller. Like, it's so great. I moved to Utah and I was, like, a little disappointed, which is weird because Utah still has good community theater. Anyways. All right, moving on. We're going to talk about nepotism. Ooh! Or <laughs> also, so here's the thing. Okay, so if you're talking about Dear Evan Hansen, you have to talk about two people who are very much related. Ben and Mark Platt. Um, Mark is Ben's father. Um, Mark Platt is a very well-established producer of 
musicals and movies. Um, he is like the guy you need to know in order to get into anything musical related in Broadway or musical movies. Um, anyways, he has a very well established track record. And while Ben Platt um, is a very skilled performer and I think he's one of the best and he clearly deserves his accolades, he had a really easy time getting into um, films just right away, like with Pitch Perfect, yeah. just right off the bat, because, you know, his father was producing it, so. Yeah, I will, I also want to give credit to Ben Platt, like, when I had that 15 minutes to just talk to him, which I really am grateful for, one of the things I do remember is, like, his routine to stay healthy and to stay centered and to stay humble, like, he talked about how he's always afraid of damaging his voice and all the things he does to prevent it, um, to prevent vocal damage and all the things he does to, like, stay human-centered and not get... Like, I think there's a lot of fear that probably comes with having grown up with such a powerful father in the industry that he wants to go into. Like, he has seen all the things that can go wrong that go wrong. And I think there's a little... At least when he talked about it, there seemed to be a lot of fear and what he was trying to prevent from happening to himself. Talking about Mark Platt, um, I mean, so we're moving on from the musical. All you need to know from the musical is that Ben Platt originated the role, um, and Pasek and Paul were very much involved with both the story and the music. Um, they were the main creators. Cool. Um, anyways, so Mark Platt, Ben's father, um, and producer on La La Land, um, but, like, producer on literally everything. Um, anyways, so Mark Platt secured rights to the Dear Evan Hansen movie in 2018, so shortly after uh, Ben Platt left um, the Broadway production. Um, ben Platt was involved from 2014 when the Broadway, well, not Broadway, just the musical was starting to be developed. The music was written for him. Um, anyways, so um, Mark Platt, was a producer on, this is not true or false, this is just straight facts, Legally Blonde, Scott Pilgrim, La La Land, um, Mary Poppins Returns, Aladdin, um, and Cruella, which is about to come out. Um, and here, he's what he's currently producing. So a lot of these are like really like pre-pre-production phases, but he's working on a Little Shop of Horrors remake, Oliver Twist remake <gasps> for like the fifth time, um, Once on This Island, um, a film adaptation, Snow White, live action, Little Mermaid live action, Wizard of Oz remake, and the Wicked's um, film, film adaptation. Um, he's also been a producer of Broadway shows such as Wicked, If Then, and Dear Evan Hansen. So he's involved in everything. Huh. He's he's I'm inter- very I, powerful man. I'm forgetting his name right now because... Mark. No, 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 no. The one from Michigan who was on a lot of these similar shows. I, I wonder if they're like friends. Probably. Next time there's a Stagecrafters reunion, I guess I need to ask him. Because, uh, yeah, Mark, actually, wait, no, that was a, that was supposed to be a Teachers in the Lie. He actually wasn't a producer on Dear Evan Hansen. He was involved in the early um, conceptual stages, um, and he's the reason why um, Ben got hooked up with Paul and Pasek. Nepotism. Well, yeah, but it worked. It's it. Th- oh. So here's the thing: is that there's like basically nepotism without familial connections because that's how all that's it's called networking that's that's how everything 
like anything professional, anything like friends wise, you don't just make random friends. You only make connections and work with people who have connections to you. Like it's networking. Yeah. Just because somebody is related to you doesn't necessarily mean it's like nepotism because I mean, people like, I mean, if you're looking at like buddy comedies, like you look at Adam Sandler, like all of his films were just like, you know, I'm just going to cast my friends in all these roles because I just want to hang out with them. That sort of thing. So, I mean, it's what we're going to do for the rest of our lives. I, so. That's what everybody does. <laughs> that's how That's how the industry works. That's how every industry well, like, works. People's favorites, like Phoebe Bridger's father, extremely wealthy, you know, extremely well-connected. Yeah. Like, oh, and I mean, like... It's how you get a lot of your music. It's because yeah. you also learn from your the people around you. To be successful, you learn what you need to do and have those steps. Like people pay me money to tell them what those steps are yeah. within the Provo music scene. If you haven't learned by this point through this podcast or by other means, connections are one hundred percent of what defines success and how successful you can be. And okay, like ninety percent connections well, and then ten percent money. Yeah, well, because, <laughs> I mean, connections to money. And then also, like, even if you don't have any connections, you start from nothing, you have to make connections to get there. Yeah. And money is part of what can give you this, those connections because you can buy your way into certain things. Like, you can buy your way into advertising. That well, sometimes you have to even just fans. buy your way to the meeting, like, oh, yeah, which that too. is hard. Or just so flex your money so that people know that, like, you have the ability to make investments on projects. So Yeah. Anyways. anyways. <laughs> fun little rant there okay now we are officially talking about the new film Woo! and when's it releasing uh i think it's like in the fall sometime Ooh, so like soonish yeah yeah it's been in the works for a while since uh since mark platt acquired the rights oh. in 2018 oh um basically i mean mark and ben platt are the only reasons why this film is a thing so Number one, okay, so we're, we're talking about Ben Platt, his casting in the role. Um, number one, it was not a choice for another person to be casted. Um, let's just get that out of the way. This film was developed by Mark Platt for Ben Platt. Um, you can call it nepotism, or you can just say, like, be grateful for good arts, and because this film would not be happening. Well, like, and like we said at the beginning, Darvin Hansen is synonymous with Ben Platt. Yeah. People would be upset if... Ben oh, Platt yeah. wasn't cast. There would be so much more kickback if somebody else were to play the role. So, we'll talk about Ben Platt. He's 27. He was 26 when it started filming. He's playing a high schooler. Um, and you might think, oh my gosh, why is a 27-year-old playing a high schooler? Well, um, we'll talk about that. But um, for some reason, people started uh, ganging up on this film specifically. But literally every other film project that isn't a Disney Channel original features um, many, many cast members who are in their mid-late 20s or even older. So, yeah. Anyways. It's, it's weird that this is what is getting people riled up about. You know, I, I actually do believe, like, cast, cast young people as young characters if you're doing an adaptation. But that mostly falls into things like books you know where the youngness uh, it's it's hard so anyways ben platt um he originated the role when he was 21 so he was young when he started the role the role was written for him the music was written for him 
and you know like that just translates to the big screen they've been talking about this for a long time wanting to do a film that film adaptation ben platt also has a large amount of experience he has a lot of experience um in movies and tv whereas a lot of other broadway actors don't um and so that gives him another leg up anyways in any portion of like anything like any way you look at it ben platt was the favorite to play this role and i mean the best option in pretty much any way conceivable i mean you can talk about like he looks too old but like every actor looks too old unless you're playing a child actor in the role which we can talk about that when when i get to talking specifically about child acting and why it is a practice that should be looked down upon and not like praised because it's accurate these are real people that we're talking about yeah anyways um some fun facts about him he played a college role when he was 18 in pitch perfect so in at 18 he was playing a college role and at 27 he'll be playing a high school role it's (laughs) it's what actors do it's acting that's sort of the name of the game anyways um the i think the hilarious thing was that um he was playing a college freshman, right? Yeah. Anna Kendrick was playing a college freshman, and she was 25 when the film was made. So she's playing a character that is exactly one year older than Evan Hansen. She's 25. He's 27. So comparable ages. Um, I mean, you can get mad about that in Pitch Perfect too, but like you know, I just think for a lot of people who are getting upset, it's the idea of representation in film. Like you want to see people going through whatever you're going through on screen that look like you, that act like you, that have experienced things the way you have. But honestly, 26 is not that far removed from high school, but... Yeah, well, and here's here's the great thing about age representation is that older actors have been younger too. <laughs> they have the experience. They know how high school is like. It's not like they're getting some, like, out of, like, they're not casting, like, the wrong race or the wrong, like, gender or whatever, like, could be a miscasting. They're casting somebody who has been in high school, who has gone through that. And a lot of Ben Platt's acting in Dear Evan Hansen has been inspired from his own experiences. He's, like, you know, he has yep. social anxiety, too. So Also, as someone who has always looked too old for my age, like, I, I don't know, like, when... There's a show called Everything's Gonna Be Okay, and I look at them, and I'm like, oh, they're supposed to be sophomores in high school? They don't... They look like middle schoolers to me, because I never looked like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so, like, I I actually really liked when... Oh, maybe this is controversial. When 13 Reasons came out, one, those actors are older, and I think they needed to be older oh, because yes. of the subject matter yes. of 13 Reasons. But I was like, I looked like... Hannah Baker, which is also controversial, but it was out at that time, like something I really appreciated and they weren't 17, you oh, know? Oh yeah. Uh, especially cause I mean, Dear Evan Hansen is also a show that involves the topic of suicide. And I don't think it's ever appropriate to take like 16 and 17 year olds and just expect them to be like, you know, first off that they themselves are not like, currently dealing with a lot of these issues in high school like also i mean oh i'll just talk about it later but being emotionally capable 
you know, you want people who have experience in life to be portraying issues that are really difficult. So yeah. you want you want people, who, and you want to protect your yeah. younger population. Yeah, and, that too. Uh, there's not. It's there's a lot of legal matters around child actors and casting child actors yeah, in we'll, the time they we'll can talk be on about screen. That. Okay. Side um, comment about Pitch Perfect. Um, while it wasn't a high school film, it was a college film, um, there were a lot of late 20s actors, and Rebel Wilson was already in her 30s. She literally had her GD. So, JD. JD. Anyways. She's a lawyer when she filmed Pitch Perfect. Um, and then we're going to talk about some of these other casting. Um, Amanda Stenberg uh, plays Elena Beck. She's 22, so a lot closer. Um, some fun facts. Actually, just one fun fact. Wait, um, is this for the film or for the This is for movie? the film. Okay. They, uh, everything from now on is the film. Okay. Um, uh, there's a new song being written by uh, Pasek and Paul, um, <gasps> specifically for Elena. Fun! So she's, she's like the like straight A's like honor student who ends up being the one who pressures um, Evan into revealing that he's been lying because she figures it out pretty quick. But um, and then Zoe Murphy, which is um, the romantic interest slash the dead brother's sister. And so she's a lot more than just a romantic interest. She plays a lot more important roles in other emotional which we um, love. ways. We'll get into the plot later. But um, this is being played by uh, Caitlin Deaver, who is 24. Um, she was in uh, Book Smarts, um, a uh, rated R comedy um, about high schoolers, just barely. Um, and, you know, nobody complained about the ages of the actors in that film, which was led by Beanie Feldstein, who was 25. Um, other actors who were playing high schoolers in that film were ages of 27, 26, 25, uh, three 23-year-olds, two 22-year-olds, and some younger ones. Anyways, then we have Colton Ryan playing Connor Murphy, who is the, um, spoiler alert, I, I mean, like, if you haven't heard about this by now, um, he is the one who commits suicide, and we'll get into specifics about that later um he's 25 we have nick dodani who is one of my favorite comedic actors he's um he was uh he's in atypical the netflix uh tv show um as the friends of um oh of sam who is the main character who has autism i love that um and he is 26 um he was 22 when um atypical started so i mean he was a high schooler in that too so i mean like He's played high school roles before, so here's some other um, high schooler roles that were cast in the film. Some new named roles. I haven't like included the names of those because that wouldn't mean anything to anybody because we don't actually know what roles they play. But um, Isaac Powell, who's 26, um, Marvin Leon, uh, age unknown because new actor. Um, he started acting in 2020 though. Um, Liz Kate, age also unknown, but she looks like she was like. I found a film where she was like actually a child actor in sort of low budget film. And in like 2010, she looks like nine or 10. So I'm guessing that she's like 20 or 21 now. Um, Demarius Copes, also unknown age. Um, he toured with Newsies in 2016 though. So I assume that you have to be 18 to go touring on Broadway. No. I mean, at least I would assume that we would try for the Newsies, but. No, what they do is. Um, do they have like an actual cast? Okay. So you're you travel you do all the traveling, but you don't perform every night. 
anyways, he has a lot of experience on Broadway. He was um, an understudy and ensemble in Mean Girls, and he is toured for Newsies and Hamilton. Um, and then we have the non-teen cap, non-teen cast members who are. It's a very star-studded cast. We have Amy Adams playing Cynthia Murphy. Oh. So she oh. is the mother of uh, Connor and Zoe. And then we have Julianne Julianne Moore as Heidi Hansen, which I think this is the 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 most atrocious, if you can call it that, um, age casting. She is sixty, and she's playing a the mother of a seventeen year old and. The story goes that she was, like, left shortly after having Evan and, like, in an early marriage, and she's, like, divorced, but apparently that happened when she was 40, if you're going Wait, who's canonical playing, age. who's playing it again? Julianne Moore. Oh, yeah, that's a... Which I don't think that's a problem, but, I mean, if people want age representation, then... Yeah, that's um, weird. And then we have Danny Pino as... Larry Murphy, which apparently it's controversial because they're making Larry, um, which is the Murphy's father, so Zoe and Connor's father, is actually now their stepfather, which so controversial. I, I don't see how that will change the plot at all, but just makes things more spicy. Yeah. So we're gonna talk about some other high school castings, some notable ones that have happened in the past, which, you know, older than Ben Platt in some cases. Um, Tobey Maguire was 26 in the first Spider-Man. Andrew Garfield was 28 in the Amazing Spider-Man, and he was technically still in high school in that film. Okay, but you know how I feel about the Spider-Man casting. Yes. And then we're going to go to Tom Holland. Okay, so <laughs> Tom Holland was 19 when Civil War came out. He was 20 when Homecoming came out. Yeah. Come out. And he's currently 24 and will be 25 when No Way Home comes out. He is He'll... a senior in high school, 25 years old. Yeah. Yeah. So even yeah. the best castings, which, I mean, he looks younger, and it was very lauded that, like, oh, they just hired an 18-year-old instead of a 28-year-old. I but like your point, though, of, like, you age into your, you age into roles, even though your character isn't aging as quickly as you are. Like, which, once you're cast in it, you represent, like, do you, Ben Platt represents Evan Hansen, like, in my brain. Forever and yeah. always, amen. Uh -huh. You know, and I don't care how old he is. I don't, yeah. If he was in his 30s, I would be concerned. And with the heavy material of their Evan Hansen, I'm glad 15, 16 year olds aren't having to explore that for themselves. Yeah. Probably 100%. prematurely. So. Um, and then that brings us to Michael J. Fox, Whoa. who in Back to the Future, which yeah. he was 24 in the first film. But he was still supposed to be 17 in the third film, which he had aged into 29. So, of course, I mean, like, you're, you're talking about these multi-film series, which might be more mindful about the age of their actors because they are going to age into the film, especially when the films are technically, canonically, just back to back to back. They just all happen right next to each other. Well, like, that was the issue with Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they had to cast young in that case because, you know, the actors were were cuz the movies can the movies can't be made every year. So I mean, at one point I think they were though. They were filming bef the next movie before Well, yeah, they they were on a tight schedule, yeah. but it's still impossible to just release. By the end they were yeah. old. <laughs> you know, they weren't they were not, at that yeah. point. Although I think I think in the final film they're supposed to be like 18, 19. Yeah, yeah, but they were like 26. <laughs> so Which again, it doesn't matter. We're fine. They were good films. Another Harry Potter casting. 
Shirley Henderson, who played <gasps> Morning Myrtle. She was 36. When she was playing a professor? When she was playing, no, Moaning Myrtle. Oh, mo- oh, oh. Yeah. When she was, like, up on Daniel Radcliffe? But she oh. was a ghost, so, you know. Ew. Um, Emily- Wait, <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, Emily Fields was 31 in Pretty Little Liars. Uh, Charisma Carpenter was 27 in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Alan Ruck was 30 as Cameron in Ferris Bueller. Um, Barbara Streisand. 41 in Yentl as she was it was a period piece but she was playing a teenager when she was 41 so I mean she would have been like an elder yeah <laughs> in a period and piece. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio 28 as a 19 year old and catch me if you can so there are, you know there are older actors than Ben Platt who have played high schoolers just look at Barbara Streisand so oh man um, anyways, uh, I'll, I'll go really fast. So here's like some current, more current stuff that's happened like in the last decade. Stranger Things, Joe Keery played Steve when he was 24. Um, and I mean, they've all gotten older still there. Um, Glee. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Was a- atrocious. Um, in all senses. Multiple, multiple 27 year olds. Um, also I n- never realized how cursed Glee was. Three of so the main cursed. actors are dead. Yeah, no. So, suicide after an arrest for child porn, um, a overdose, and a drowning. Yeah. So, like, I don't know what happened on that show, and I don't want to oh, know. Oh, it was... There's a podcast about it. Um, We're based... Oh, goodness. Should I see what it is? And then, and then here's the funnest fact about that. Matthew Morrison, who played Mr. Shu. Yeah. He was four years older than the students who he was teaching. So <laughs> he was 31 and they were 27. So there, there were some younger people on Glee, but then like, you know, they kept filming. And I think that they like explained like some of them like graduated and stuff, but like. Ross Lynch's brother, Riker Lynch, was a warbler on Glee. And when they were touring in 2010, I got to go backstage and I got to meet, um, um, oh, what very famous person. He played the main warbler, Blaine. But what's his like actor name? I have no idea. Anyways, uh, we're just gonna keep going because like we're running a little bit Anyways. long. Anyways, um, Riverdale, also bad. Thirteen Reasons Why, also bad. I mean, like not not bad in their like filming i mean like you can talk about that in a separate thing but like for age wise far worse um i another fun thing 21 jump street so here's here's a fun age gap so jonah hill who plays an undercover cop who's supposed to be like super old going into a high school and like pretending to be a high schooler but he's clearly not he was two years older than dave franco who is 27 playing a high schooler for like real like legitimately (laughs) And so, like, he looks young enough that, like, he could be considered a high schooler. But, like, it's all about just perception and how you view the people who are playing them There's and also, how they look so and how they're dressed. We're talking a lot their about... hairstyles. Um, like, how it's done, though. Another thing for the vote, maybe we should be casting teens as actual teens, is the idea of teens are awkward and these are celebrities who are attractive and you know it's it does set as different expectations for They're, high schoolers that they feel that they can't live so up to because they are too young one one thing that i think that people don't address is that we need more representation in 
looks wise because you do get all these like incredibly attractive actors and actresses playing all these roles Ingenues. and you only see the people who are more like normal average looking like in like comedic roles or the villain yeah that too stop making fat people the villain we need we to have sexy. more attractive villains and more average looking protagonists you know anyways anyways so we're going to talk about why don't we cast child actors? Why is that bad? Okay, so we're just gonna. So first off, child labor laws, um, difficult to work around, but that's good. And it also doesn't necessarily at the same time, it still doesn't necessarily protect the child actors from their agents, from their parents. Like those don't, they don't abide by the same laws. There, there is no like rules about how the money is like spent or anything. The a lot of the times the parents just have their children go in these films. They get paid ridiculous amounts of money and the children never see a dime of it. Yeah. So anyways. There's also not boundaries that laws can protect against between parents and momagers and even managers. Like just the mental health of. Oh, yeah. Not being able to say no or have autonomy or control. Yeah. Anyways. So some specific child labor laws that make it discouraging to cast these actors um minors are highly limited in the hours that they are allowed to put in on set um minors guardians have to accompany accompany them on set um and sometimes parents can be really difficult as we were talking about um not specifically just with the children but also with directors producers pas yeah um minors are required to continue schoolwork for fil through filming of course um and it falls upon the producers to hire the teacher that yeah. is teaching them um and a lot of the times the education is actually pretty bad um just because it's always second fiddle because i mean they're making big bucks and who cares about school but i mean school is really important for development so i mean social development too yeah. they're missing out on a lot of important experiences and they could be socially stunted if they're just hanging out with like a bunch of adults all day and they never get to actually make real friendships with other kids point in case daniel radcliffe he in so many interviews is like people think that i'm really close to like the other child actors that i grew up with but really i'm close to the producers i'm close to jk rowling i'm close to you know the directors i i spent most of my time with the adults and with the crew than i ever did with the cast because yeah. I just had more hours. But have you, um, did you do any touch on emancipation? No, no. So that's actually, so when the bigger you get, the more pressure there is for you to become an emancipated minor. There's cases where they become emancipated. Um, Disney actually is a very big proponent of emancipating their minors. They have lawyers specifically dedicated to getting their youth emancipated. Um, and then... Probably only because they've had problems in the past. Yeah. So well, and, trying to avoid more controversy. Well, it, it leads to actor, child actors, lots of pressure, not good for you socially, psychologically. They lash out. Their parents, quote-unquote, like disown them, stop supporting them, and then they're just left with all this money. Not It, it just it leads to young people not getting what they need which is yeah. you know love support um trying different things and most importantly boundaries with themselves and with others and with what they are capable of doing with their success yeah well 
So some other reasons why child actors might not be cast, um, because maybe it's not good for the kids. Um, not only is it a difficult lifestyle, but gaining fame when you're young can really mess up your worldview. Um, and so I don't think it's reasonable to expect that children who are not fully mentally developed, I mean, your brain isn't fully developed until you're like 25 or later. So why should we expect actors who are younger than that to be able to handle, I mean, just normal people can't handle like just the extreme, like it's like otherworldly sometimes because you're just put on this plane of expectation and just also like paranoia because so like death threats are a real thing. Abuses from people that are in positions of authority from producers, directors, like I'm that, I don't know if it's getting better, but it is definitely coming to light more that these abuses do happen. And when you're a child that becomes even worse. So number two, teenagers don't have a lot of acting experience. They don't have a lot of life experience to draw from. Um, And so while they might be at least semi-decent actors, I mean, you watch professional films all the time and you'll see like a child actor that just really isn't that good. I mean, like we give them like some leeway in how good they're allowed to be because they're a child actor. Like, um, in, oh, what's it called? The Ender, Ender's Game? Ender's Game. In Ender's Game, um, the reason it took so long to get a film is because he's like, no, I'm only going to do this if I can get, he needs to be young. That is my main number one thing. And every time, but he said like, but it's impractical. It took so hard because you need someone like Haley Joel Osment from um, Six Sense is what he's like most known for. Yeah, but, but he's you need still... multiple of. <laughs> you need like a full ensemble of Haley Joel Osment. Yeah, which, unless but... you're going back in time and literally taking Haley Joel Osment from the past and maybe cloning him a few times. Yeah, who's just so emotionally aware, or you know. It, that's why eventually, like, they did adapt it the way they adapted we, it. We got to do a podcast just on Haley Joel Osment because he's my favorite. Yeah, he was in, um, I just watched the Ted and Bundy movie with Zac Efron. Um, shockingly evil, excruciating, whatever, exceedingly wicked, whatever yeah, it's yeah. called. And I'm like, wait, that's Haley Joel Osment. <laughs> he, he does mostly, like, cameo and, like, featured roles. But and, like, he's comedy, so but this one was, like, dramatic, yeah. and he did a well, he, he very did, good yeah, job he in does, it. He, he does all sorts of... Yeah. I mean, like, just straight off from Sixth Sense, like, he is a dramatic But you kind of have to, like, Google so. him now versus when he was a kid, because, like, he has, like, a dad bod. Like, he's very cute or whatever, but he, he, you kind of have to know what he looks like now to spot him in all of his cameos. He's so great. He's so good. So good. Um, also, talking musical-wise... Um, your voice is not fully developed no. until 20s, 30s, and sometimes 40s. My voice didn't develop till I was now, 21. Casting a child actor in a singing role is like a recipe for disaster because, number one, um, they aren't going to be like heavily trained. Um, and number two, their voice could just change at any moment. Like during. While you're filming. Yeah. And so like it could just be like one scene. They're like, you got this boy soprano, and then, like, the next scene, like, his voice is just dropped an octave. Like, that's literally, like, what happened to my dad. He was, or my stepdad, but he was, like, in a musical, 
and they had cast him as a tenor, but his voice dropped. In eighth grade, my voice <laughs> dropped an octave in two weeks. Stop it! We literally measured it. It was two weeks. <laughs> so. <sighs> anyway, so liability there. Yeah, you, you don't want to cast. You, you want to be as confident as possible and when you're. It, you don't want to lead to like dysmorphia for the actor later of like hearing their old voice and what they were known for and then having that voice taken away from them and then they have to come to agreements with that like that was their money maker and yeah i mean like you can talk about like <sighs> child singers too like that's like just even worse sometimes he was put on hormones that i have been put on and made me very ill in very different ways and but like he was just on it for money justin bieber is a very rare case of a child singer actually finding success into adulthood so just because of the ways that like that people like children are encouraged to abuse their voice in order to sound like adults just for the pleasure of people's hearing or it's horrendous encouraged to be on very on hormones that will make you sick so that you don't end up having a voice change. And then you'll also like, where's the, like the ethics in that, like literally like it's just a modern day castrati. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So, we joke that. So my, I rescued two cats last year <laughs> and they were definitely neutered too soon. Cause now they're a year old, but they still have like their baby kitten voices. <laughs> and so we, we've been calling them castrati one and castrati two. Oh my gosh. <laughs> anyways well anyways it looks like we're gonna be going a little bit longer on this but i will wrap this up fairly quick plot wise so there was some pushback on the plot there was pushback on the plot when this was released on broadway so it's not a new concern but it's also just any concern with anything that talks about suicide um just number one like it is heavy content like if you're a kid um like if you're a parent make sure that your kids are mature enough to understand what's going on and i mean if you haven't had a talk with your kid about suicide and depression and social anxiety you are behind as a parent or even just getting basic training qpr training takes less than an hour it shows you the signs how to handle situations appropriately um in the moment and then how to help them moving forward. Um, QPR.org. Highly recommend. Um, most, you can take a course to get like officially certified pretty much at any university for free or um, even town halls will pro- put it on. Yeah. So. Anyways, so people are concerned that this show glorifies or romanticizes um, suicide, which in my opinion, I think that it treats it fairly well um i think the main issue is that um any because here's the thing stories themselves are always romanticized that's like the definition of romanticism like yeah is the suicide in the story itself romanticized um glorified i don't think so um i i've had a i personally had a classmate die of suicide i know my cousin did i know a lot of people did it is a story that happens and deserves to be explored in the sense that you want to know you're not alone personally speaking as somebody who's dealt with depression and suicidal ideation this helped me yes mental health wise um which is 
the exact opposite of what people are concerned about because we we need stories that allow kids and teenagers and adults to like see how other people deal with these things of course in this case um evan hansen because of his um, mental health issues deals with it in an unhealthy way because he doesn't have the support system that he needs um and that is addressed um and i don't think that at any points people are to think that what evan hansen is doing is like okay basically i i know i just quickly went over the plot in the beginning anyways basically evan hansen he's literally alone 100 percent. he has one sort of friend which is just his cousin but like his friend is like it's not a good friendship yeah he's really really not a good guy um and he is constantly verbally abusive towards evan which is never okay verbal abuse is never okay and he encourages Evan to do things that are not healthy. Um, I mean, basically what happens is Evan, his bully, takes a note from him um, after signing his cast mockingly. Takes a note from him and then ends up committing suicide. This note is found on Connor's body. Um, and because it was like a therapy note that like Evan wrote to himself, Connor's parents think that this note was written by Connor to Evan. Um, and so when Connor's parents approach Evan, um, it is a high pressure situation. They reveal to him on the spot that Connor has died. Um, he has social anxiety. Um, he has this incredible desire to fit in and to be loved, which I mean, his mother shows him love, but she's not there all the time. Mm-hmm. She is working. Um, he doesn't have a father around in his life. He doesn't have any siblings. He doesn't have any friends. And so when he's given this opportunity to at least have some shot at a life where people appreciate him, he's going to take that. Um, And so he is deceitful. um, But I mean, the pressure is immense. Um, He takes that opportunity. And I mean, at the beginning, he doesn't think it's a big deal because it's just the parents and he just goes for one dinner at their house but then he ends up just building on the lie again and again at the point where he starts to create fake emails to verify that he was connor's friend and that's where he clearly takes it like way too far um and of course you know the reason why these emails ever happened in the first place is because of um connor's cousin um who is of course just you know playing around to see what crazy drama he can stir up anyways it just spirals out of control um i don't i feel people keep on like saying like oh my gosh evan hansen he's a villain he's terrible he's awful but he is the protagonist of this story and i do think that he does deserve to feel um that we we should show him some grace yeah like forgive him for what he does at least a little bit because he is a number one he's a teenager he doesn't have a fully developed sense of morality yeah um we can't hold him to the same standards that we do adults um and he's literally like he would have he he already attempted suicide um by this point in the story like i don't think that we can like say that he's an awful terrible person he's an opportunist um and his actions 
are not okay. They're not acceptable. He ends up like causing some really bad things to happen because this family bonds around a lie. Do you have anything to say about the story? I, I, I actually really like your point, and that's like just something I'm trying to do my personal life for, which is just like just giving people the space to grow and that kind of the fact that people are still so like ah Evan Hansen like bro that's not good I just don't like tension in general yeah and so like I think that's maybe why I didn't like reading it it's because I'm like I always felt tense it's so intense Um. (laughs) and it's because you you feel for Evan but like you see his actions and you see the the mounting like conflict that's going to happen at some point and you can't help but to like just feel anxious feel, about it. Especially from an outsider's perspective. But Ben Platt does a good job at playing that. Yeah. And making him forgivable. Making him a human character. Yeah. Um. So, people, I guess this whole podcast was to stop being annoyed with the casting yeah, for the well, movie. I, I mean, I just have, like, <laughs> one more thing to say. Like, you're, people keep on trying to label these characters. Like, this is the villain. This is the good guy. This is the bad That's guy. That's not what life is, but, though. Yeah, it's so easy to try to stick labels on things, to try to make things make more sense. But that's the thing about this show is there's no villains. They take the school bully and they flip it on its head. That They show that even the people who we think are the villains are the ones who are oftentimes suffering the most. Connor is lashing out against Evan because he feels this deep depression and ends up committing suicide because of it of course is bullying okay no but there was it's just society has failed in a lot of instances and there's kids like this who we can't blame for a lot of these issues they are children and we are putting them in the into these situations and we can't just say oh well they should have dealt with it this way we need to give them the opportunities and resources to deal with their trauma and their issues healthily i got chills when you were saying that. Yeah. <laughs> that was very well said. And, um, okay, maybe I'll give Dear Evan Hansen a listen. Do it. <laughs> it's so powerful. Oh, I think I'd prefer seeing it on stage, though. I mean, I guess you could wait until the film comes out, but I don't know how good the film will be. So We will see. Anyways. Is someone near here doing it? We're going to have a watch party. We'll tell you all when we're going to go see I, it. I, it's either September or November. Nice. Okay. But. Well, I should be in the state at this time. So, um, follow us at Two Truths Twelve Lies. Come say hi. I love it. <laughs> you all and say hi. Thank you for listening all the way through this very intense yes, podcast. Yes. Um. Shout out to my roommate Megan. She listened to her and her boyfriend were road tripping this weekend to Moab, and they listened to um the deep dive into comedy, into community, and deep, uh, Dan Harmon, she's like, I love how you mentioned Bob Ross, and like, how awesome, or <laughs> crazy we are, and I'm this like, this is our deep dive into <laughs> high school drama, and films. casting, yeah, anyways, anyways, love you, thanks for listening, Woo. bye, bye, I'm Derek Thornton, I'm B. Goldie, thank you for listening to Two Truths and a Dozen Lies,